It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back. Coming up on this week's show... We tell you everything you need to know about Peacock TV. We reveal a massive announcement from World Soccer Talk. Our thoughts on ABC's coverage of the UEFA Nations League. Plus, we have letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. I'm Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, joined alongside my co-host, Kartik Krishnayer. Kartik, um... International break. It's it's something we're not used to. Uh, we're used to it at this time of the uh, year. What we're not used to is that there's, for most leagues in Europe, usually we get a few weeks of the season ramping up, starting off, uh, excitement levels going high, and then we get the, the thud of the international break. We didn't get that this time. And from my point of view... You, you may think differently, but from my point of view, the expectations were pretty high going into this international break as far as seeing some better better than average games. And I guess from what I saw, Kartik, it was uh, some of the games were good, some of the games were dull, but uh, it didn't live up to its expectations. What about you? I stopped watching after Saturday. I haven't watched a game. I mean, I watched a, a, the WSL game on uh, on NBC on Sunday, but I have not watched international football since Portugal, Croatia. So, uh, no, I, I I I was terribly bored by that point. And uh, and I understand the Spain Germany game wasn't a full German squad. There were a lot of uh, guys missing, Bayern players in particular. But uh, it was uh, given those two nations' pedigree, it was. It was very difficult to watch. Uh, I, I felt uh, Norway-Austria was a little better. Uh, I watched that on Friday. Uh, but then the England-Iceland match was – that's, that's one of the worst matches of football I've probably watched in the last decade, uh, honestly, at any level, uh, including semi-pro games in the United States. It was awful. And then uh, Portugal-Croatia was another case of Croatia, just like uh, they came out in Nations League in 2018, uh, just – Summer hangover. They were missing Brozovic and, and, and Rakitic, among others. So uh, maybe and Perisic, right? Because he plays for Bayern. So maybe there was a, uh, a, a maybe there was an explanation. But that was just really bad, also. And in fact, Portugal disappointed me, even though they scored four goals. So uh, because they just didn't have uh, the cutting edge in front of goal without Cristiano uh, that they they would have otherwise. Uh, but they, I mean, they were very good. Obviously, they had a, a they have a stacked squad. So. Uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't like it. I mean, I thought that the thing that was was good was ABC's coverage, which we can get into. Yeah, the, the Iceland-England game uh, was dull. So dull, uh, as a matter of fact, that John Champion just was telling stories about different things, that uh, his experiences in hotels in Eastern European countries. And it was a very different John Champion in this one in terms of not... I mean, usually he's very quiet and very focused on the game. This was a very talkative uh, John Champion. There, there really wasn't much to talk about in the game itself. So he, he went on and, and, and Taylor and him kind of interacted back and forth. But yeah, the first half was really dull. I, I think part of it too is that the speed of the game 
that England is playing also against a, a team like Iceland and also uh, against Denmark was the same thing too, where it's uh, the bunkering in, it's very defensive. England has a tough time trying to compete against that. But even the other games, I, I, think, I think I saw more international games than you, Kartik, but you didn't miss much. I mean, I saw I mean, Wales against Bulgaria, uh, Netherlands against Italy, like Denmark against England, I mentioned. I think Portugal, Croatia, you saw that one too. But f- for the most part, the games were pretty uneventful and, and rather boring, uh, which is a shame, though, too, because the ABC's coverage was good. Uh, it was great to see Kay Murray and Craig Burley doing the half times and pre match and post match. That was good. I expected something a little bit bigger from ABC. Would it be an on, on ABC? I was expecting some surprise or some bells and whistles. We didn't really get, get that. It just seemed to be a very cost-effective, very kind of without being splashy or, or flashy um, broadcast. Nothing nothing incredibly great. I mean, the, that Iceland-England game, I tuned in at, I think, noon, expecting it to have a couple of minutes of uh, pre-game coverage, but... It went right into the game. It was kind of John Champion starting off with the commentary and off you go. Uh, what about you? What are your thoughts about the coverage on ABC? I thought it was quite good uh, in terms of the, uh, the, 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 the between matches with Craig Burley and Kay Murray. And they brought Alejandro Moreno, um, Adrian Healy and Taylor Twoman on for some commentary. There was uh, a real kind of emphasis on what was happening in Europe in club football. Uh, Ed Burley was uh, able to direct the conversation that way. Kay Murray did a fantastic job of hosting. This gives ESPN a lot of flexibility and potential with her being there and and the ability, uh, her knowledge level of uh, just about every league in Europe is so high that you can throw her in to uh, any of these circumstances, and she's very, very natural. And this gives her greater opportunities than she had to be in where their portfolio of, of matches was limited, uh, as we know, uh, particularly toward the end. Right. Um, so I thought they were very good. I thought that the studio was very informative. Uh, I enjoyed it. I picked up a lot from it. Uh, they also were promoting, obviously, the Bundesliga starting on ESPN. So uh, that was good. I mean, you know, they couldn't control the uh, the quality of match and they couldn't and i think there is a general um disdain among commentators for this specific international break the september break because it comes so early in the european club seasons normally and as you said at the outset there was an expectation this time that maybe it would be better and as it turned out i think what we saw was uh it was a lot of players who had um just finished their club season and uh, with the exception of players playing in Liga, right, or, or Scotland, um, although Scotland restarted, right? So, yep. uh, and Liga restarted. So you had the normal September problem there. And then you had a bunch of players who were still kind of mentally on holiday. Honestly, I don't think there was uh, a whole lot of intensity or cutting edge in these matches. And that's a, a byproduct of the timing. That's a byproduct of FIFA and UEFA trying to force international dates into the calendar. And it's something that, um, we have gotten gotten accustomed to as people who watch football and cover football. I, um, I don't know. I mean, I, at some point there has to be a, a honest conversation about the September international date. They got rid of the August date. Remember we used to have an August date, which would sometimes happen within the first week of club seasons or right before club seasons kicked off. Uh, that was a, uh, something FIFA did after I think the 2012 euros, they finally got rid of those. Uh, I'd like to see the September date maybe uh, uh, eliminated. And if that means you add an additional match in October or November, you put another international date somewhere else on the calendar, I guess I would be in favor of it. Uh, but this this particular international break is typically uh, unbearable. And, mm-hmm. and, it, and it turned out to be again. I mean, I gave it a chance. The fact that I watched a few games at the beginning of the week is more than I would normally do, honestly, in, in this September break. So... Now, the, uh, the challenge is going to be, Kartik, is that um, it's congested. I mean, from now till 2022, to the World Cup, everything on the international stage is going to be in overdrive, is going to be games one after another, just trying to squeeze in, as many games in as possible to make up for the lost time. And you look at the U.S. men's national team. Uh, CONCACAF this week announced that uh, the qualifiers, um, which would have been playing now in September, uh, also in games in October and November, uh, they've been pushed 
the first qualifiers fires until March of 2021. And uh, by the time that the US kicks off, I think their first game is going to be probably about June, right before the Gold Cup. And then right after that, they go some big matches against Mexico, etc. So you've got some countries and some regions that haven't played games and won't be playing until next year. And then and then they're in overdrive where it's one game after another, squeezing them in to try to get um, uh, these games out of the way. Some some of them are CONCACAF Nations League games, I think, uh, but many of them are the World Cup qualifiers. So I mean, for 2022, which is a big deal, especially for this region, especially for the U.S. men's national team. And from what, what I understand, uh, it looks like the U.S. is going to play a friendly in October against one of the teams in this region, probably Panama, but it hasn't been decided yet. And that game's going to be on uh, ESPN2, I think October 8th, I think it is. They haven't announced anything yet, but that's what we're looking at. So you've got two sides of this. You've got the UEFA countries um, that haven't had much of a break. Uh, I mean, they've been playing. I mean, the German Bundesliga is one example. And you saw Germany go through some really poor results uh, this past week. But you've got those which are very tired. And on the other hand, you've got the CONCACAF region that uh, probably, you mean, haven't played that much. They're going to be very rusty uh, next next year, like March through through June. So it's it's a strange world we're living in. But um, yeah, the sooner the international break is over, which it's over, thank God, we now move on to European soccer and back into the, all these big seasons that start up this weekend. And actually the weekend after that with uh, the German League and then the Italian League and, and so on and so forth. All right, Kartik, anything else that you saw from this past week? Anything else w- worth mentioning? Yeah, so watch the uh, Manchester United-Chelsea match, uh, women's match on NBCSN, the WSL coverage. And uh, the one thing I noticed is the, as the, is the camera seemed to be, and again, it's it's a byproduct of maybe the the facility and not having any fans, uh, it being uh, closed fans, the camera and, uh, cameras were so close to the pitch. And I don't remember seeing a match from England, even at the, even at the league one or league two levels where the camera work, uh, it, it wasn't a, a byproduct of the camera work. It was the camera placement. Uh, I really enjoyed watching this because they, it was, it was almost like being there. It was like being pitch side, which, um, I, I don't know what the specifics were as to why the cameras were uh, were placed where they were, but it was really enjoyable. So I, I picked up on that from from the broadcast. Uh, the match itself was uh, was pretty uh, good. It was better than um, the Community Shield had been a week earlier. And then um, also watched Aston Villa and Manchester City on the uh, FA Player, uh, which is an app, obviously where you can get the the WSL matches, and and that match was uh, was quite good. Georgia Stanaway, who had had a poor match in the Community Shield, uh, came back and she scored uh, twice for Man City. So uh, that that was the extent of it. I mean, now I'm look uh, geared up and ready for the start of La Liga and the Premier League, and and so I anticipate I'll probably watch more football in one ma- in one day on on Saturday than I did uh, in the last two weeks combined. Yeah, and before we move on to the news uh, section, it, it's interesting this uh, this season so uh, so far, Kartik, a lot of last minute changes. So, for example, La Liga, La Liga was scheduled to have their opening game on Friday. It was uh, Granada against Athletic Club, and you'd have games on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Well, the Spanish league uh, is has been pushing uh, La Liga. Really, really hard saying that uh, we don't want any games on Fridays. We don't want any games on Mondays. We want to go back to the traditional Saturday and Sundays. And it's been a squabble for, for actually for, for for years now between La Liga and um, the Spanish Football Federation. So at the last minute, they decided to move the Friday game uh, to Saturday and they moved um, the Monday game to Sunday. So you got, you've got games on Saturday and Sunday this weekend and that's it. So last-minute change there. Also, a last-minute change in the Premier League. Premier League um, made a big announcement this week, probably on Tuesday, I think it was, where because the fans are not in the stadium, for the month of September, all of the games are going to be televised. Most of them are on Sky Sports. I believe some of them are on BT Sports. But that, in England, is a big deal because, I mean, in England, very few of the games are actually televised. So here you go all the games on television. But in order to do that, what the Premier League did was they've staggered the, the, the kickoff time. So instead of having, say, 
three games on at um, uh, 3 p.m. Uh, British time kickoff, which is uh, 10 a.m. Eastern on a Saturday. Uh, they went ahead and staggered the kickoff. So they moved, uh, for example, Newcastle against West Ham United, which was scheduled for this Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN, has now been pushed to three o'clock on Saturday, and now it's on Peacock. And then you've got Crystal Palace against Southampton, which was it's staying at the same time. It was originally going to be on Peacock, uh, but now that's been moved to NBCSN to replace the Newcastle game. So on and so forth. Um, there was an Arsenal game, I think, um, that's, uh, I think in the second week of the season, that's been moved, the kickoff time on that. Uh, Monday's kickoff time for the, uh, I think it was the Wolves against Sheffield United has moved. So anyway, so if, in terms of the schedules, whether it's La Liga or the Premier League, definitely go to worldsoccertalk.com for the latest schedules because there have been some big changes. And uh, for those of us who have bookmarked or put on a calendar or written down what, what, what games are on and what times, some of those have changed. Actually, a lot of those have changed. All right, Kartik, moving on to the TV streaming news. And we've got a big announcement. That big announcement is that today, September 10th, Thursday, 2020, World Soccer Talk is launching and releasing a, a brand new ebook. And the title of this ebook is uh, The Ultimate Soccer TV and Streaming Guide. Now, this is something I've been working on for the past several months. It's uh, putting together a ebook. It's about 22 pages, and it's packed full of all the leagues from around the world and uh, which. Uh, broadcasters have the rights to them and uh, which games you can watch on television, which ones you can watch on streaming. And it's one of those things, it's, it's taken an enormous amount of effort in terms of interviews, research, and updating too, because there's so many last minute changes. So this is going to be available for free to all our listeners, uh, beginning at noon Eastern time on Thursday, September uh, 10th, 2020. Just go to worldsoccertalk.com to the homepage, and then uh, you'll have a link there to go ahead and uh, download the ebook. And then also with that, too, you get a free uh, daily email newsletter with the latest soccer news and uh, the latest schedules. And Kartik, too, it's actually designed, the ebook is designed by somebody that you know, uh, Derek Reese. Yeah, and he does most of my design work uh, that that I uh, that I do for various uh, various subjects, whether it's a history podcast or, or, or political ebook, etc. Uh, as well as uh, having worked with him at the NASL and Fort Lauderdale Strikers, so I have a uh, and I'm, he's actually the president of a local uh, local supporters own club, and uh, and I'm the vice president. So I speak very highly of his work, and it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be an outstanding thing to to download and read as we start a new season. We start a new era in in so many ways in terms of uh, in terms of broadcast this year. Yeah, and that's a good segue, Kartik, to talk about Peacock TV. That uh, for fans of the Premier League, this is going to be a massive weekend uh, with Peacock TV. And uh, there's so many different ways we can look at this as far as Peacock. But I want I want to try to answer many questions that uh, listeners will have. And that is, I mean, again, Kartik, if you have any questions along the way here too, feel free to, to uh, jump in. But for those listeners who haven't caught up on Peacock, Peacock uh, is going to be the replacement for NBC Sports Gold's uh, Premier League Pass. Uh, but Peacock isn't just the shoulder programming and the streaming of select games. It has thousands of um, uh, TV shows and, and programs and movies some of them are actually original programming. Some of them are original shows and movies that are on there. Uh, in addition to that, you've got um, live access to a lot of the NBC channels, you know, NBC News, etc., uh, Sky News. And then you've got uh, coming um, this weekend, then, of course, the Premier League matches. And for this season, 175 games are going to be exclusive to Peacock. The big uh, change with this one that in the past NBC Sports Gold kind of focused more on your smaller teams and it was more games you know, your Brightons Crystal Palaces Burnleys uh, Sheffield Uniteds those Norwich City those clubs this season more of the big games are going to be on exclusive to streaming so for example Chelsea the first two matches of the season of the 2020 season 
are going to be exclusive to uh, to Peacock. Uh, and I should add to Kartik, I know you mentioned this last week, it's Peacock Premium. So there's three different levels of Peacock. There's Peacock Free, which you can um, watch your you mean, TV shows and things like that. There's Peacock Premium, which has uh, all of the exclusive uh, Premier League matches as well as um, the Premier League programming. And then there's uh, Peacock Premium Plus, which is the same as Peacock Premium, except it has no advertising. Now, the big news this week, too, was that uh, NBC Sports announced that uh, Peacock is going to have Premier League TV. So Premier League TV is what they're calling it. They're going to have its own channel, which will have all of the programming that we've been accustomed to watching from Premier League productions. And this is um, the stuff that we used to get, the shoulder programming on NBC Sports Gold. So Premier League News, uh, the fantasy football show, a lot of interviews, documentaries, uh, classic matches, uh, review shows, preview shows, etc. And I believe some of it might be Sky Sports News. We'll have to wait and see. But um, that is also going to be on Peacock. Now, the big question is, is how do you get Peacock? Okay, well, so if you are a Comcast subscriber, so you subscribe to uh, television, it's free. Peacock Premium is free for Comcast customers. Uh, If you're a Comcast Internet customer, like I am, but I don't subscribe to to Comcast television, you can still watch it for free, too. You just log in to the PeacockTV.com website and then what? And then it would know that you're a Comcast customer, and then you can watch it for free. Now, for everyone else, it's $5 a month. And for $5 a month, you get uh, the Premier League, uh, Peacock Premium, which has all of the games and has all, all of the, uh, the programming. I'm trying to think of content. And actually, there's, there's the, the Peacock Premium Plus, which is the one that's ad-free. That is $9.99 a month. Kartik, any questions so far on the Peacock Premium? Uh, for me, no, but I'm sure listeners, the listeners are going to have a ton of questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, the big question is, and the big point of contention, and the big point of frustration this week has been Roku and Amazon Fire TV. So both of those devices are delaying uh, adding the Peacock app to its uh, to its uh, platform. And this reminds me, Kartik, of going, let's go back in the time machine now to 2013, to the beginning of the Premier League on NBC Sports. And at that time, there was something new called NBC Sports uh, Live Extra. And there was, uh, so you had all the games available online, but then also you had many of these games available on television, but it was, it'd be through your Comcast or it'd be through Dish Network or DirecTV or Cox or whichever your cable or or satellite TV company was, but most of them most of them didn't have it on day one. Most of them had NBC Sports, yes, and the NBC Sports Network, but they did not have the uh, NBC Sports Live Extra, the actual channels. And it took a whole campaign, I think like thousands, probably tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of soccer fans in the United States, uh, writing and protesting and sending emails to the different uh uh, you mean cable companies and different satellite companies saying, I want my NBC Sports Live Extra, so I have all those channels. We're, we're in a similar boat right now because with Roku and Amazon Fire, NBC Sports is providing Peacock for free to, to those companies. So all they have to do is put the app on the Roku, put the app on Amazon Fire, and away we go. But both Amazon and Roku are delaying it, and they're uh, squabbling, trying to get more money out of uh, NBC Sports and being difficult to work with. So that's the delay we've gotten, is that the kind of the frustration, the delay point is with Roku and Amazon. So if you do have a Roku, or you, d- you do have an Amazon uh, Fire TV stick or a, t- a TV device, I would suggest contact Roku, contact Amazon and say to them, hey, I want my Peacock I want to be able to watch my Premier League matches. Now, in the short term, even if you do have a Roku or you have a Amazon Fire TV stick, you can still watch the Premier League matches. Uh, you can watch it on your tablet. You can watch it on your iPhone or Android phone. You can watch it on your computer. All you, all you have to do is go to PeacockTV.com and then uh, sign up through there. It's free for seven days. And uh, after that, again, it's it's $5 a month uh, if you're not a Comcast customer, or if you are a Comcast customer, it's free. 
So I think I've covered everything, Carter. Get anything else you can think of as far as any questions that might come up? Uh, no, other other than the fact that I think uh, there is a uh, there there is an issue in terms of if a game is if a match is on NBCSN, it is not on Peacock uh, Premium at, at the same time. So the simplicity that which NBC had implemented, where you kind of knew when the games were and where they were is gone with this because uh, there are some people who've asked me, Oh, well maybe I can just cut the cord and, and get Peacock premium and I'll have all the premier league matches. And that's not the case. Yeah. For me personally, I, that's the big bone of contention I have is that I would love to have access to every single game through Peacock and uh, be able to subscribe to Peacock premium and probably pay, pay more uh, to have access to everything and then cut the cord. But yes, you do, you do need NBCSN and also you need uh, NBC over the air, which you can get with rabbit ears. But uh, that's, the, that's the tricky part. And then so you still need a, either a cable subscription or a streaming subscription to, say, Fubo TV or YouTube TV or Sling Blue uh, to get your NBCSN and to get kind of all of, all of the coverage. So it, it is still in this, we're living in that kind of, uh, we're, we're not quite cord cutters. We're still, I mean, well, I, I guess you could cut the cord from Comcast, but then subscribe to, say, Fubo or YouTube TV and then get NBCSN through there. But then Comcast is still getting money that way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's my big thing is that uh, I think at some point in the future, we will get that. It may not be with NBC. It may it may be with the next rights holder to the Premier League, where they make every single game available uh, through streaming. But then we would have to pay more money. Um, so it it is. But that's that's the world that we live in right now. It's a it's a big change. So this weekend that there aren't a ton of games on Peacock. I mean, there's um, I think one on Saturday. I think uh, Spurs against Everton on Sunday. Um, and there might be another one on Sunday, but and then on Monday the big one is Brighton against Chelsea, and that is exclusive to Peacock Premium. So for this weekend, there's a few games, definitely three to four games. The following weekend, there's only one game on television, and that's the Man United game at twelve thirty on NBCSN on Saturday Eastern Time. Every single other game on that weekend is on Peacock. So. So if you are consider, considering Peacock, definitely uh, check it out. The, the other thing, too, is that we have a Peacock FAQ on the website that goes into a lot of detail. We have an article that was written by um, Aram, who's one of our writers, and that focuses on why getting more into the details of why um, basically Roku and Amazon are delaying this uh, launch of Peacock on those devices. In addition to that, too, uh, we'll have more articles uh, in the next 24 hours that go deeper into Peacock and uh, explaining it for everyone. So if you did miss anything on this podcast or you do want more information, definitely go to worldsoccertalk.com and then we'll hook you up. And if you can't find the answer you're looking for, post it in the comments and, and we'll get back to you ASAP. So big weekend for Peacock, big weekend for Premier League and um, championship starts on, sa- on on Friday. You've got the La Liga on Saturday uh, it's a big, big weekend for soccer fans. Now, speaking of big weekends for soccer fans, last weekend, Kartik, in the TV ratings, uh, there were some big games. We, we mentioned the Iceland-England game and Portugal against Croatia, both of those games on ABC. Uh, what we didn't mention was, uh, I don't think, uh, Sky Blue against Washington uh, on CBS, the NWSL. Uh, that game uh, was on Saturday on big CBS, uh, as well as Atlanta against Orlando, and that was on over-the-air Fox. So what you had was four major games on four over-the-air networks in the United States. And um, what about the TV ratings? Can you share some of those with uh, the listeners? Yeah, so uh, the Sky Blue Washington match, which I which I did watch, and I forgot to mention that earlier, 381,000 viewers on CBS over the air. It was on alongside or competing with the uh, the Nations League matches on ABC, both the uh, second half of Iceland, England, 
uh, plus the uh, the link show in between and the kickoff of uh, Portugal Croatia. Portugal Croatia had four hundred forty five thousand viewers uh, on ABC, uh, four hundred twenty one thousand viewers for Atlanta Orlando on Fox. And to be honest with you, Chris, maybe I'm just so out of the MLS uh, uh, scene. I, I had no idea this match was on. I had no idea it was taking place. But um, the, that number isn't uh, as bad as some other numbers we've seen for MLS. Uh, four hundred twenty nine thousand for Iceland England. There's obviously more interest in England in the U.S. Uh, that's a uh, decent number on ABC. That was from uh, noon Eastern time to 2 yeah. p.m. Eastern Seven, time. 7.29. Yep. Seven, yeah, 7.29. Right. Uh, um, but uh, again, not nothing cracking a million or getting close to a million. Exactly. And then the, the lowest one was Miami against Nashville. This was on FS1 on Sunday night. Uh, it had a rain delay of an hour and a half, typical Florida summertime weather, Kartik. Um, but only 78,000 people watched this game, um, which is another really, really boring, um, unfortunate, boring uh, Miami game. Just really, really poor start to the season for this uh, expansion club. Moving on to listener mailbag, and first up is Jason. Jason says, I am very complimentary to the current format of the podcast. It is unique and interesting. There are lots of Premier League podcasts out there. Great job keeping this entity relevant. Robert says, this MLS season has been uneven. There have been some very exciting and entertaining games and some truly terrible games. I watch a lot of Premier League games, and uh, and the same is true. Some great games and some terrible ones. The difference is the team payrolls. Manchester United is tops uh, at $154 million uh, for the past year. In 2018, MLS's team in Toronto, their payroll was $26 million. Seattle's was $17 million. So we're getting into some... uh, the uh, Sokonomics here, Kartik, as far as, I mean, Stefan Zemanski often saying that uh, kind of the level of quality and how, how good a team can be uh, and how much success they, they can achieve is directly relevant to, to the payroll. And, and you look at MLS and Seattle at 17 million. Uh, Man United, yes, they're I mean, definitely not as, as good as they have been, but 154 million. There's no comparison. But but I still think it's significant that uh, Toronto and Seattle are the top two spenders in MLS because they have met in three of the last four MLS Cups. That's true. So let's That's not, true. Let's so, not forget that. So, yeah. so there are people who say, well, it, it, MLS it, it, it is very, very competitive because of its structure. But when teams are able to use salary cap exemptions and, and uh, Toronto has been masterful at it. If you follow MLS, you realize how good they have been at kind of cap uh, gaming the cap. Uh, they have been able to reach three MLS Cup finals in the last four years. Same with Seattle, who are the second biggest spenders in the league. So there's still a correlation. Now, this season, because of all the disruption and, and uneven schedules, Columbus is the top team. They're not the top spenders. But I, I would expect once we get back to our normal uh, structure in MLS next season, that, again, uh, Toronto and Seattle would be the top two teams or, or it would be uh, LAFC, Atlanta, whoever's spending more money, honestly. So even in MLS, that rule applies. Yeah, the one, th- the one thing about MLS I would love to have is if any listeners uh, who are watching an MLS game, and it's really exciting, it's, it's, a, it's an incredible game, it's just, just tweet us at, at World Soccer Talk and let us know. Because oftentimes, like the last three weeks I've been watching, so I watched uh, the El Trafico LAFC against LA Galaxy derby, and that was just... Uh, what the LA Times uh, said was unwatchable. It was just stop-start. It was played in, in the heat of the afternoon and was not a an attractive soccer game to watch. Then I think the week after that, I watched Atlanta against Miami, which was a nil-nil game uh, in Atlanta, a really kind of woeful game. And then I think the week after that, I was watching Nashville against Miami, the one that was on FS1, rain-delayed. That was pretty poor too. So it'd be great if if somebody could say, hey, Chris, Hey, here's a, a game that's actually on fire right now. Check it out. Um, because oftentimes the games I do watch, I mean, maybe it's just me picking wrong games, but oftentimes the quality level is, um, it's, it's laughable at times when you see the, the, how, how poor some of these players are. Moving on, El Jefe says, my interest in MLS has been waning over the last few years, but 2020 was the year that MLS completely jumped the shark for me, no question. I'm pretty much 100% European soccer at this point, 
especially with the addition of the Scottish League, uh, the second league of the Bundesliga, and the ability to watch every single Serie A game on demand. Richie says, I have to disagree about some of the International Champions Cup points. The ICC, to hear Charlie Stilitano uh, tells it, uh, puts terms in the contracts that require the big names to play part of each game, at least. When Real Madrid came over a few times, um, Ronaldo played. When Barcelona came, Messi played. It could be getting stale in general, but it isn't because the squads are half-baked. Now, I mean, you and I, Kartik, were at the uh, El Clasico in Miami a couple of years ago, a few years ago, and we saw, I mean, Messi played. Um, it was a sensational game. I, I really enjoyed that one as far as the atmosphere of that one. But there are other games in ICC where it is... Ronaldo did not play in that game, by the way, though. Right, Ronaldo didn't. But I think it was other reasons, though. I don't know if he was uh, injured or if it was... I, I, I think if he was available... I think he had a court case in Spain about ah, tax evasion. Ah, yeah, that tax evasion. That's right, that's right. But but uh, there are other IC games, ICC games where it is on, almost youth squads being played. And, and again, too, I'll go back to my main point, which is if you're an Everton supporter... And you're wearing you know, in the blue of the toffees, and you're going to what support Everton, and even if it's your youth players or kind of second string players, it's still the club. Um, there is that that appeal there too. So, and, and quite frankly, um, American uh, audiences got the first look at Kalichi Iannaccio one year when Manchester City came over. He's had a decent Premier League career. He's now at uh, he's now at uh, uh, at Leicester. And then he got the first look at Phil Foden. And in fact, Pep told the, uh, the, the, the media after the match, you guys are going to remember being here because you're the first ones who got to see him play live. Um, and that was however many years ago, I think 2017. So uh, sometimes there's something in seeing those youth players. Yeah. And in Man City's case, two, two, two of the times they've come over for the ICC, that's been the case. And Pep specifically said that to the media. You're going to remember you were here because you saw Phil Foden play for the first time. And uh, he's right. Yeah, I remember too going back, uh, this is going back a long time ago now too, but uh, Romelu Lukaku, uh, watching him play for Chelsea in a uh, ICC game in Miami. And I think it was in one of the training sessions, I had a chance to talk to him for a little bit. And at that point, he was a a young kid. He was, I mean, just uh, basically kind of starting his career, Uh, wasn't uh, on the first team yet, but uh, really likable guy, really... um, great kind of uh, personality really a, a nice guy and very very humble and that was the impression i got but this that was early early in uh, lukaku's uh, career and being able to see him play in the icc and see some of the um some of the skills he had and some of the potential he had and, and he's li- uh, lived up to that so yeah there, there's good things and bad things about icc uh definitely some people love it some people hate it um it, it, it depends on each individual. And I think the people that do hate it uh, hate on the people that, that go to the games, that buy the tickets. And uh, there is a hot, lot of hostility. And I, and I think a lot of that hostility is because MLS fans position, position it as meaningless games. and they But then they see that the actual attendances, uh, they see the record-breaking I mean, games that I mean, Man United against Real Madrid at the University of Mich- Michigan breaking, I think it was 108,000 people, breaking a, a U.S. record uh, for club soccer. And I think there's a little bit of jealousy there too. But, I mean, there's definitely good points in terms of um, the level not being at the highest. But I think a lot of people going into those games are not expecting the levels to be at the highest. They're preseason games. It's effectively preseason friendlies, uh, but it's put into a tournament uh, structure. Now, listeners, we want you to have your say. So if you have any questions for us about uh, anything we've talked about on this podcast or anything related to uh, TV and streaming, we often get a lot of questions uh, from Facebook about transfers and uh, other things uh, unrelated to the world of uh, TV and streaming. And and oftentimes we kind of pass on those just because that's not this uh, podcast. that's, That's not what we're about. But if you do have a uh, question or, or an opinion, uh, anything we've said, let us know. We'd love to uh, read those out on air. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com, as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk, and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. 
Now, Kartik, uh, this weekend, uh, any games in particular that you're looking forward to watching that uh, that's a must must see uh, on your part? Yeah, Liverpool Leeds, and and it's it's less because of Liverpool, more because of Leeds. A lot of excitement about Leeds being back in the Premier League. I, I think this is an element, the Premier League, and I apologize to to newer fans, mostly in the United States, who don't remember Leeds in the top flight, but the Premier League has been missing an element for 15 years, and that element is back. And Leeds is one of the four largest cities in the country, by the way. It's a one-club town, and it's a club that has had so much uh, success and so much near success, right? So much uh, heartbreak in in, in Europe and and in the league through the years. Uh, It's going to be amazing to have them back, and they are going to play a kind of football uh, based on what we saw in the championship the last two seasons, that is going to make your mouth water and blow you away. If you think that the teams in the Premier League are entertaining and you think it's the greatest show on earth, well, the greatest show on earth is about to get greater because Leeds will probably play the best football in the Premier League this season. Uh, that will leave them open and they will lose some games four or five nil because of that, right? But um, I can't wait. I, I'm just so excited about that in specifically yeah. and about Bielsa and Leeds being up. And, and uh, uh, they've got uh, they've, they've signed Rodrigo. Uh, they're going after Ju- Julian Draxler. Uh, and they've got a solid team coming up from the championship. Uh, it's going to be great. Yeah, it's interesting too, Kartik, because uh, I'm, I'm on the same boat too. So Marcelo Bielsa, the way that he has Leeds United playing right now, the style of play is so different and so unique to to anyone else that's out there. He has his own coaching style. He has his own playing style, and we haven't seen this before in the Premier League, as far as I can, as far as I know. So how that translates to the Premier League will be fascinating, especially against Liverpool of all teams to start off the season. Um, I'm really, really interested in, in, in that. I mean, that's the other thing, too, is that uh, how hard these Leeds United players play, how hard they press, how they go basically 100% every single minute. It is going to be interesting. It could be, like you said, Liverpool could win this one 7-0, <laughs> or it could be that Leeds would win 3-1. or You never know, but it's always an exciting team. Now, looking to the past, though, Kartik, I mean, for a lot of listeners... Um, they, they may have never seen Leeds United play. I mean, the last time they were in the Premier League was 2004. Uh, it's been a long time. I mean, I, I'm sure you remember too, watching that final match against Bolton and seeing the Leeds United supporters crying. Uh, Alan Smith, just, I mean, inconsolable. Just a, a really uh, sad end to that season. I mean, it was, a, it was an awful season from Leeds United. But to see one of the major clubs in England uh, get relegated, and they've never been back since then. Also, too, in between that, so in, in between 2004 and 2020, where we are today, uh, The Damned United, one of the best movies ever about about soccer, uh, about Brian Clough's short stint as a manager at Leeds United. And that really captivated a lot of soccer fans uh, and to, to learn more about the folklore of Brian Clough, but also Leeds United, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's a must-see. But to me, I think a lot of us fell in love with that film. Uh, it's still one of the best in my mind. And now we get to see the real thing. We get to see the Leeds United, who has such a, a rich history, highs and lows. Um, but this is going to be uh, this is going to be one of the teams for me that's going to be a must-watch every single week. And, and I don't support any team in the Premier League. Yeah, and uh, just uh, to, to, to put things in context, when Leeds went down, they had uh, maybe the best young player in the Premier League, uh, young team player in the Premier League in James Milner. Now they're back up 16 years later, and he's a star for the other team, and maybe he'll end his career at Leeds, but that's a testament to his his work ethic. Uh, he's a teetotaler, by the way, the, 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 kind of, uh, uh, of the kind of career he's had, James Milner. He gets to play against Leeds, potentially, on Saturday. Uh, you mentioned those players, uh, Alan Smith, Rio Ferdinand, others uh, that, that ended up getting sold uh, by, by them in, in their in their financial desperation, Paducah, Kuehl, Paul Robinson, you could go on and on. So many of those guys, uh, Robbie Keane, they all went on to have great careers after they left Leeds, other than Alan Smith because of his injuries. And it, you just still think about what could have been if that team had been held together. 
I had actually been so in love with that lead, that particular set of Leeds players. I had picked them to win the Premier League in, I think, the 2000-2001 season. That year, they got to the semifinals of the Champions League, but they had blown their cash, right, to try and win the Champions League. And they finished fifth in the league, and everything kind of uh, collapsed from there. But uh, incredible story, them being back up. Let's not forget Fulham, who have a lot of support in the U.S. are back up. West Brom. Uh, who are playing better football other, under Slavin Village in terms of style than they did uh, under Tony Pulis when they bored us to death a few years ago, um, are going to be back up. So while I don't think they're going to stay up, they're going to be don't, – don't judge West Brom by their previous stint in the Premier League. They're going to be more watchable this time under Village. He's had them play some, some very nice football in the championship. Yeah, and West Brom too. Keep an eye out for Perea, who's a uh, like a number ten, really, really skillful young player. Uh, who, if he hadn't uh, been promoted with West Brom, surely would have been signed by one of the big clubs in the Premier League. But a fantastic player to watch. Go- going back to Leeds for a minute, Kartik. A couple of other players to f- to mention that uh, had really kind of their success early on at Leeds United. Two players, Robbie Fowler and Eric Cantona. And, of course, Robbie Fowler went on to to go to Liverpool, became a superstar. Uh, Eric Antona, of course, went on to Man United, became a superstar. The one other thing I want to mention, too, about Leeds United, and this is going to be something, well, that's the shame of it, though. Hopefully the fans will be back in the stadium in October. So the Premier League is pushing, has submitted um, proposals to go ahead and, and bring fans back a certain percentage in October and that is awaiting government approval. They have to go through and review all of the uh, procedures and make sure it's it's safe and, and kosher. But the one thing that uh, is out of this world are the Leeds United supporters. And if you have a home game at Ellen Road, ideally it's a it's it's a you mean it's before coronavirus or after coronavirus when you have a packed out crowd. But once that happens, Kartik, those fans are fever pitch. They are old school. They are loud as, as hell. And it's something that the Premier League hasn't seen in a very, very long time. Yeah, I agree. And lead supporters traveling once they the, the ban on fans is lifted is going to be amazing. One last shout for the new season of a, a player to watch uh, from a newly promoted team, Grady Diangana, who uh, was a West Ham player on loan last season to West Brom, had a phenomenal season in the championship, uh, just was uh, signed permanently by West Brom, which brought uh, uh, Mark Noble. The captain of West Ham, longtime captain, to Twitter to complain about Golden Sullivan selling this this exciting young player, uh, Dean Ghana. Uh, keep an eye on him. I, I think he's going to have a, a breakout season this year for West Brom. Even though I, I think they probably still go back down. Yeah. Speaking speaking of West Ham United, uh, if you haven't checked it out yet at WorldSoccerTalk.com on the homepage, we have our annual uh, tape, Premier League table predictions. So every year for the last twelve years. Uh, we've had, um, I've asked uh, our listeners and readers to go ahead and post the top 20 uh, table, how you think the season will end. But you have to post it before the season begins. And the season begins, of course, on Saturday, 7.30 Eastern time and Fulham against Arsenal. And uh, in the teams that I have relegated, I have predicted to, to have relegated uh, West Brom. And I think West Ham escapes by by the skin of the teeth. Uh, Aston Villa goes down and Fulham goes down and Chelsea wins the league. Uh, Kartik, I don't think you've posted yours yet. No, uh... mine is kind of similar. I've got Chelsea winning the league. I have um, West Brom going down. I have Fulham going down. And I uh, have Crystal Palace going down, even though I think uh, uh, maybe Hodgson is making some moves this week. Uh, They just uh, secured Batshuayi again. Uh, he'll come back to them. He's been there on loan before. I, I think Villa are making some some moves. Uh, they just got Ollie Watkins from uh, from Brentford, a player that Dean Smith has worked with before. And uh, there's another signing they're making that I'm blanking out on that are going to keep them out of that bottom three as far as I'm uh, concerned. I think West Ham are in better shape under David Moyes. Uh, Snodgrass is uh, is fit again, although he's always injured, right? Yeah. Where, he's another guy who was a very good uh, Leeds player, actually. Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, Snoddy is often injured. Mikel Antonio is often injured. Suchek uh, is a player I like. I think West Ham just has so much quality in the team that they'll stay up uh, just based on that. Uh, and then I think uh, the top four would be Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United, and uh, either Arsenal or Man City in fourth. Uh, I, I don't think Spurs did enough to finish in the top four, but I 
got a kind of a, a sneaking suspicion that Mourinho is going to um, uh, is going to be able to get uh, this team to play um, uh, at, at a higher level this year with a full kind of uh, year of him being the manager. Uh, Matt Doherty, for me, has been one of the top 10 players in the Premier League the last two seasons. So to me, that is a big signing. They haven't done enough elsewhere, though. Uh, so they've improved their right-back situation immeasurably, I think. And I took a lot of flack for this on Twitter. I love Trent Alexander-Arnold. Don't get me wrong. I think he's great. Uh, but he plays the same position as Doherty, and I think Doherty's been the best right-back in England the last two years. Um but otherwise, I don't think Spurs have done enough. So I think they're on the outside looking in. Uh, they probably finished sixth. So listeners, if you are a Premier League expert or if you consider yourself a Premier League expert, or if you just want to have some fun, definitely go over to worldsoccertalk.com uh, before the season starts on Saturday and post your predictions in the comments section of that article. Also, while you're there, don't forget to pick up uh, at noon Eastern time on Thursday and, and thereafter uh, the free copy of the soccer, the ultimate soccer TV and streaming guide, 22 pages packed full of information. Uh, it's definitely going to be one of those um, documents or one of those PDFs you might want to print out or keep keep on your desktop and keep for the whole season to find out who has what games, who has what uh, competitions, uh, cups, etc. It's a very confusing uh, time and it's a lot of different choices, a lot of different options and a lot of different changes, which is why we wanted to put that out there and to make it as easier as possible to watch uh, the beautiful game. And Kartik, all right, here we go. So heading into another weekend of soccer from around the world, um, some major games coming up. The one thing I'm looking forward to the most this season, Kartik, is having the fans back in the stadium. And I, and I just, that part of it is going to be, for me, um, it, whichever league can do it is going to be a crowning achievement in, in a safe and healthy way. But that's the one thing that I think is should be celebrated when once that happens, because that's a really positive sign. And again, I'm hoping that um, if it's not the Bundesliga, if it's not Liga, and if it's not the Premier League, one of the leagues is going to be able to do it. And then pretty quickly, uh, things will will improve. It may not happen until some point next year uh, as far as having a full stadium, but we're, we're getting closer and closer to that. So that's the one thing I'm looking forward to. Bacantic heading into this weekend lots to look forward to lots to look forward to for the season uh, it's been a fun summer it's been a long summer it's been a very hot summer but uh, here we go and what should fans do uh, this weekend and and uh, into the future enjoy your football are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns